What people don't realize is that fourth industrial revolution is not about IoT, AI, VR, whatever. It's about the changing nature of work. So it's about people choosing to be remote sometimes. It's about people choosing to have a side hustle. It's about people choosing to go to a co-working space because they're invigorated by other people, they're depressed, and they need a community. Workforce transformation, a future of work where individuals are owners of their own career. Companies buying work outcomes, not employees, on the open market. Welcome to State of Independence, the podcast about how independent work has completely transformed the U.S. economy and how you can take advantage of it. I am your host, Asya Haq, Vice President of Talent Marketing at MBO Partners. Today, we will talk with Liz Elam, founder of Juicy, a global co-working organization serving the industry. She's also a consultant and a leader in the flexible work space, studying both the design and the structure of the industry. Liz will discuss the roots of the co-working trend and why co-working and community are so important for the health and well-being of the future workforce. Liz, I'm so pleased to welcome you to the main podcast for MBO, which is State of Independence, a podcast we launched late last year to really examine the shift in the U.S. workforce from more of a fixed to a flexible mindset. And I wanted to welcome you and ask a question that I ask of many of our podcast guests. The state of independence is at its 10th year mark. Where were you 10 years ago? Wow, that's a great question. Okay, so 10 years ago. So first of all, thanks for having me. It's such a blessing to know you. And I've known MBO for so long. And it's just so great that we've recently really reconnected in a lot of different ways. And that's so exciting. You know, 10 years ago, my co-working space had been open for about six months. I was about to attend a South By that would change the course of my life because it was a South By where they did a um, thing called a co-working unconference that I'd never heard of. And I attended it and I met people from all over the world. And that's what inspired me to start Juicy. I know what Juicy is, but I'm going to use this opportunity to have you introduce a little bit about your role at Juicy, describe what the organization is, and a little bit about your history within the co-working industry. Yeah, absolutely. So Juicy stands for Global Co-working Unconference Community, and we are the largest co-working conference provider in the world. We've done over 32 in-person conferences from China to Australia to Brazil to the U.S. to Canada to the UK. We also have an online community and membership. So we support people 24 7, 365. And, you know, Juicy is out there to help promote, revolutionize, and support co working around the world. If you're not familiar with co working, co working is a lot of people think it's Regis or WeWork. And those are kind of the really big players. But just like the independents have become such a force. 80% of the co-working owners and operators are small business owners just like me. And I was one of those myself. I was working in corporate America at Dell for almost 15 years. And I was dreaming about being an entrepreneur. And I had this moment where I was sitting in a sea of white men watching Michael Dell talk about the next thing we should be selling. And I thought to myself, I don't want to be the person on stage. And I looked at Michael Dell and I looked down at my seat and I thought, 
Michael Dell would never sit here. And I turned to my best friend and I said, I'm going to quit. And he said the perfect thing back to me. He said, no, you're not. So I quit and became an entrepreneur. I love it. And you know, the story of that moment is the story for many people within the broader community of independent professionals that um, recognize that they have something valuable to contribute to the professional landscape, to the workforce, and that they aren't able to optimize that maybe the exact way that they want to in a traditional role. You know, we like to think of many within our community as those that really don't think like an employee, but think like an owner, Mm -hmm. right? And that I think is so true of what I know of your evolution as a professional. You talked about being in that white collar role at a Mm -hmm. fantastic company in Austin and choosing to walk away from it. You know, many people would think, wow, why would anybody do that? No, you chose to walk away from it because you saw a vision of something. And I'd like you to talk about those heady early days of what co-working was and what people were trying to understand and trying to unlock from the launch of that industry. And then we can sort of say, well, where is it today, right? What, What materialized and what didn't? You know, in the early days, it was so interesting because when I launched Link Coworking in Austin, Texas, which I eventually sold in 2019, there were probably less than 50 co-working spaces in the world. And I had already looked at the website for every co-working space in the world. I had read through it. I had studied it so that when I met people, I already knew who they were because I'd been to their website. I'd seen it. It was such a great time because it was so tiny and we all believed in our core that we could change the world and that community was valuable and that activating change could happen if you could bring people together. A principle that I think still holds true as an opportunity within not just the co-working industry, but I'd now call it an opportunity within the workforce as a whole. And here's, here's why I say that. When you look at the 10-year state of independence data, there's some, some key themes that come to the top that I think are very closely aligned to the evolution of the co-working industry. One is the rise of remote working. And as you know, that is the hottest topic, right, in the time of COVID. And I'm going to certainly spend some more time talking to you about your experiences and your ability to consult and provide services there, because I know you have a very unique perspective. The second is the rise of sort of what I'd call the side hustle nation. Every single individual has a a high desire and, in fact, is designing their work life, especially mid-career and beyond, to not be reliant on a single career and a single employer, but essentially developing a portfolio career and then looking for, in both of these instances, remote work or a side hustle, a space where they can operate that business or that business model. And I don't know that it's going to be out of our homes forever. I'm really curious to hear you explain why co-working might be the answer, because maybe we're not going back to the office, but are we all staying home? No, no. And there's a lot of reasons why we're not. So we were all forced into the biggest work from home experiment that nobody anticipated. 
it taught us a lot. And it was great for for a lot of people, right? For a lot of people, they were able to get some flexibility and a better work-life balance. And there's there's are people who are incredibly introverted and they don't need to be around other humans. Small segment, but they exist. Absolutely. However, for the vast majority of the people, it's not the greatest situation. Number one, having a home office is a privilege. It is not something that's commonplace. I don't think it's fair for your employer who's not paying for that space in your home for you to command that you have a space in your home to work for them. I don't think that's right. Very few people have an ergonomic setup. They don't have an $800 chair. They don't have a sit-stand desk. They don't have natural light. Not to mention the fact you're probably home with your kids because they're not at school either. Or God forbid you have toddlers or an infant and you're trying to get your work accomplished. Or I don't know, a husband or you know work going on at your house. Like it's just, it's not the optimal work place for most people continually. Now, what it is doing is it's ushering in the fourth industrial revolution. And what people don't realize is that fourth industrial revolution is not about IoT, AI, VR, whatever. It's about the changing nature of work. So it's about people choosing to be remote sometimes. It's about people choosing to have a side hustle. It's about people choosing to go to a co-working space because they're invigorated by other people, they're depressed, and they need a community. And that's the other thing is there is a huge, huge problem with sending people home and having them work in isolation. Isolation leads to depression. Depression leads to suicide. The number one most costly health concern for all companies globally, according to the World Economic Forum, is not obesity. It is not addiction. And addiction went up 20%, probably globally, thanks to the pandemic. Depression, I think, is going to go up more than that. And so sending people home to work is unsafe. It's unsafe for the human being because, like, think about what's the worst punishment you can give somebody solitary confinement. Other than death, it's solitary confinement. So now we're going to send you home to solitary confinement to do your work? No, it doesn't work. It's interesting. I was having a conversation with um, Miles, who is the CEO of MBO, and we were talking about this exact topic. He was sharing some data with me that came from Gallup that talked about the fact that historically 10% of of the world was in some state of depression, so low mental well-being. And at the moment, according to Gallup, I believe the estimates are more like 40%. So that is an eye-popping statistic. And we, in fact, spoke about this topic of how isolation, complete isolation, the kind of isolation you're talking about where you're at home in front of a desk, maybe you don't have a toddler or family, you're actually completely alone. Maybe you're a single young worker. What that does to your mental well-being. And I agree with you that has a significant impact on how we think about a productive and a happy and engaged workforce. The, The analogies you draw, I believe, are very important for organizations that are entering the state of workforce redesign, right? Mm -hmm. So workforce redesign, and I'm curious to hear your feedback on this, but I think it has two elements. One is the 
way work is going to be created, the work design and then delivery, right? And that has to do with, it could be an employee in an office. It could be a remote worker in an independent contract role. It could be an employee in an entirely independent role. That's one side of it, which is how is the work designed and how is it delivered and by whom to achieve the outcome. The second is the space. And I want to bring this up because you, I know, are an expert on design and space. And the idea of the right kind of spaces for unlocking productivity, happiness, connection, and essentially greater work outcomes. How do you think those two things should be playing together for people that are thinking about this topic? Yeah, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. And I think one of the places I like people to start is to think about where you feel most invigorated, where you feel most inspired. For me, that's the beach. And the reason for me that that makes me happy, I think, is I'm very soothed by the sound of the beach. I love light. I like sunshine. That's why I live in Austin, Texas. And I love the smell. And you know what? Those are really elements you should be thinking of, these sensory things as you enter a space. And you should be thinking about, you know, what is the light like? What is the smell? What is the overall sound I'm getting in here? Because Those things are really important. So, you know, some of the things that Well brings to the table as far as, you know, the design of the space, the community of the space, the health of the space, all of those things are really, really important. In addition to that, you know, one of the things I've recently been reading the book Healthy Buildings, and, you know, we've got to take it all the way back to the building you're in. The quality of air in the building affects the productivity of the humans inside at a massive level. And right now, anybody that's like a developer or a landowner is rolling their eyes and saying, that's too expensive. Get the book Healthy Buildings, and it will bring you through the math on why it will be a no-brainer for you to invest in the building because people are going to start paying more to be in healthy buildings, to be in healthy environments. And then, you know, the other thing is lots of people are bringing flexible space to the industry right now. And that's great. But the thing that co-working has that's different than just space as a service is really roots and a foundation around building a community. And if you go into a space and nobody greets you, nobody knows your name, Nobody cares what you're working on. You're just there to consume a product. It's completely different from walking into a space where somebody says, hey, Asya, oh my gosh, how was that soccer game over the weekend? Oh, by the way, did you know that so-and-so started and they would be a great addition to your team? I really want you to talk to them. That's a completely different human experience. And so... You know, we really need to be thinking of how can space help you attract and retain the best talent, which means you're going to have to invest in space. And I'm not talking about a shiny corporate headquarter. I'm talking about a space that meets your employee where they're at with what they need to have a productive day. 
And that will probably look like a combination of corporate space, which is should be redesigned to incorporate spaces that are for things like project work and training and sensory deprivation and spaces that inspire people. So that's what the corporate is going to look like. Then you can tap into these local co-working spaces all over the world. In fact, Juicy has a network of them called Juicy Places. You can tap into these spaces and your employees can go in and get connected to a community and to their local community and to other humans. And then, you know, when appropriate and when they need to do some heads down work at home because they choose to, because they have a space that's ergonomic, that's safe, where they feel inspired and where they can get that heads down work done, then great, make that an option for them. But it's all about giving the employees the choice to go to work where they can be their best self. So we've chatted about this idea in the past, I think on the Juicy podcast, but for the benefit of the MBO State of Independence audience, you know, one of the ideas that we've explored is that the future relationship between an employer and an employee, just like today, includes some certain kinds of benefits like health insurance or, you know, certain wellness benefits Mm -hmm. might need to include this optionality of okay, this is the funds that we have either to designate preferred spaces or to allow you to shop spaces Mm -hmm. on the open market as part of what it means to be an employee of that organization. Do you see that happening? Do you see trends in that direction? It's already happening. So Juicy has a network of spaces, Liquid Space, Upflex, DeskPass. So all of these companies have really risen up to meet this demand and they are ready to talk to corporations and help them get their employees into the right spaces that are closest to them in the hub and spoke kind of model that's very popular to discuss these days. So yeah, absolutely. That's out there and available. Because I I see that as pretty critical, you know, Mm -hmm. to, as you said, creating that optimal balance for a productive contributor. Yeah. And I've talked with a lot of fortune, like 100 companies recently, and a lot of them are giving their employees rather generous stipends and they can buy a Peloton. They can buy a co-working membership. They can do whatever they want with the money. They can get therapy, which is great because, you know, in the past, I know a lot of companies just said, yeah, go work from home and gave their employee nothing. Exactly right. So this is actually allowing people to step up and take it to the next level. So one of the things that, you know, is important to us as an organization, and I think very important to our listeners is this idea of the transformation of the US and in fact, the global workforce to one that is not as reliant on a full-time employment model. So, you know, we see that one in two workers will be cycling through independent work if not already in that full time, we see in our data that people who choose this work style are in fact very happy, satisfied and wanting to continue. So it somehow aligns better with how they want to live as humans. And you've talked a lot about the humanity. So in this context of independent work as the main form of work, so a little different from the employee hat, how do you see co-working fitting into 
a future extended independent workforce in the U.S. and around the world. I think the thing that co-working can really bring to the table in a different way is co-working owners are always looking to connect you within the co-working community and within your local community and then within the broader connected co-working community. So you don't have to just be a member of that space. You become a member of that community and you become a member of that larger community. So it just amplifies it. Those co-working spaces also like through partners like Juicy offer things like benefits and discounts and information. And there's all of these resources. So instead of this independent person thinking they're on an island by themselves trying to figure everything out, can go tap into a co-working space. And that's where you'll turn to somebody in the kitchen and be like, I need a new bookkeeper. Do you have a bookkeeper you love? Or, oh my gosh, have you seen this new aura ring? I'm obsessed with it and I'm getting so much more sleep. Like this is where you learn about what's new, who you need to be working with and really connect into a community. You know, I think if COVID taught us anything, it's how much we need human connection. Human connection and its relationship to productivity are definitely like the overarching theme of our conversation. And I think it's one that's incredibly important as we design sort of the next 10 years of work in a time where there's almost like a battle between the digital world Mm -hmm. and the physical world, right? Mm -hmm. Which seems academic in most industries, but in your industry, it's very real because Mm -hmm. you are essentially representing the importance and need for the physical world to be a part of the employment conversation, even if it's not all the employees in one city, in one headquarters, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's what you represent. On the other hand, for example, I read the other day, Microsoft has launched sort of holographic technology WeWork runs a network of international, beautiful, you know, well-designed spaces. They're certainly a controversial player in the industry, but they've experimented with the concept of a lighter sort of digital membership, nodding to the idea that part of our interaction will be digital and part of it will be physical. Then you have Microsoft all the way over to maybe we'll be working on teams from our homes and holographically connecting and we'll feel fine. We don't need to be... How's it all going to play out? Like you're a futurist, right? You're Mm -hmm. going to school to study the future. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to have you mention that a little bit. Yeah. Well, it was so cool. Um, If you know me, you've probably heard me mention Rex Miller's book, The Healthy Workplace Nudge. And I was speaking with Rex and he um, was saying that I should join this professional association of futurists. And I'm like, Rex, I am not a professional. And he was like, well, you know, Liz, one of the best programs in the world is just down the road from you in Houston. And he just planted this seed. And so lo and behold, I applied and I am in graduate school to get a degree in foresight. So at the end of my studies, I'll be a professional futurist. And it's so fascinating because one of the things that we really focus on is not really making predictions, but looking at the processes and all the possibilities and looking at methodologies and using system thinking and mapping things out and really looking like, well, what is work going to look like in 2045? You know, really far out. What is that going to look like? And yeah, I can see 
where, you know, machines and robots will have a bigger place in the future of work. I really hope that by 2045, we are working basically in a jungle on the ocean, you know, with things that don't even look like the desk we have today. I don't want a square desk anymore. I don't even want a square computer anymore. Like, why are we always square? Why aren't spaces more mimicking nature and using biomimicry? And I want to be breathing air that makes me healthier. And I want to be under lights that are feeding my skin and making me younger. You know, like that's where we should be working in spaces where maybe the buildings don't even have walls. I don't know. So I think that's what's really fun is we get to create that future. And COVID has given us the inflection point and the ability to start working on that now. And so for me, the future is open and seamless in nature, and it's making us healthier instead of making us sick, which is what it's doing right now. And if you read the Healthy Workplace Nudge, you will find out that it's actually the job stress that's killing us. That's what's making you sick. Yeah, people are in the present moment. And it's that interesting duality between we're speaking about this beautiful vision of the future that's organic and agile and, and, and reflects the best of us. And then we have the incredible stress that most professionals today are feeling with the rapid shift to an at-home model, sort of right. a 20, 24 seven, I'm always at work. Yeah, you live at work. Yeah, you literally live at work. So while it's a future question, it's already a present day question. And what is playing through my mind is I'm kind of almost thinking of Steve Jobs and I'm thinking of, uh, you know, Marshall McLuhan and some of the, the theories from the 60s about technology being in its most perfect form, an extension of humans. You know, the computer is an extension yeah. of the eye, the mouse is an extension of the arm. And I think this is maybe a little bit of the same. Yeah, we're going to have chips implanted in your brain, you know, to help you learn faster or to see a presentation in perfect 3D. So yes, there will be an integration of robots and humans by then for sure. People are already working on it. But um, nothing, absolutely nothing can replace human face-to-face -face interaction. And to that point, you know, when we see, you know, Star Wars, whatever, you know, kind of Star Trek, you know, where people can just jump space into other places, you're still going to miss some inference. You're going to miss a little tiny hint of an eyebrow raise. You're going to miss how somebody smells. You're going to miss how the air tastes. And you can't hug that person. Maybe you can hug the air that looks like that person, but it's never going to be the same, in my opinion. And, you know, probably when I'm long gone and dead, it will be. But for now, I don't think it's possible. And I think that that human aspect of it is so important. And I think the other thing that I'm seeing a lot about that's the problem when you've got this one force pulling you towards space and one force pulling you towards technology, you can't build a culture online. You have to do that with the humans and partially in space. And so sending everybody remote isn't the answer. Sending everybody home isn't the answer. Sending everybody to the office isn't the answer. For now, 
it's a mix. Until things settle out and people really start imagining a better future and building a better place for us to work, this is what we've got is this multiple places and spaces right now. And I think people that can help build culture that's very diversified are going to be really important people in the future, because I think that's going to continually be a problem. So one of the topics that I've been really curious about, Liz, and this is kind of relating to our state of independence data around demography. So like between Gen X, millennials, Gen Z, and boomers, we have a very unique makeup of our workforce today. And when it comes to independent work, we have a couple of different things going on. Boomers are continuing to work well beyond their retirement age, both in traditional roles and in independent roles. Millennials, on the other hand, have emerged as this quite large and very entrepreneurial group. Like they have a totally different way of looking at work. And in fact, Gen Z is now entering the independent workforce and is proving to be even more independent and even more entrepreneurial than previous generations. The matures have pretty much now exited out of both independent and traditional work. How do you see that theme play out in the interactions that you see within co-working spaces and globally within the co-working industry? Any insights to share? You know, such a good question. And I've got to give you guys credit. I mean, you guys were onto this independence thing before it was like a huge thing. And it's just growing and growing and growing. And as you have proof of every generation is choosing to be independent more. And I actually think that COVID will inspire more people to be independent because they're like, wait, I can do this. I think what we see is more and more people choosing to enter into the co-working business, even in this like the roughest time of our lifetime to start a business. There's one a day opening somewhere, I feel like. Now, in the middle of COVID, it wasn't like that. But the co-working spaces that survived, I feel like so many of them are planning for expansion now because we see this huge wave coming towards us. Whereas before, co-working spaces were quite often thought of as just the place where the freelancers and the small business people went. And that's not the case anymore. Corporations are coming to us in droves. But people are choosing to be independent in droves. And that's because it's not as sexy to work for a corporation anymore. People really, really care about what you do as a company and where you invest your time and where you invest your charity. And if you aren't doing things that they identify with and things that they believe in, they're not going to work for you. So it leads me to sort of like a little light bulb moment. And then, you know, I'm really have always been a huge fan of co-working as a part of the workforce equation. So maybe I'm biased, but I see this opportunity for companies that have been struggling with serving their employees in a local context when they're Mm -hmm. global, because how do you do that well when you're not headquarter dependent or when you have headquarters in multiple cities or countries Mm -hmm. and then figuring out that a connection service, like curating the relevant services Mm -hmm. for the type of employee that they have in in a really meaningful way. Again, something that is very hard to do from the center and very actually presumptuous, you know, sitting in a global headquarters and feeling like you truly understand. I mean, something as simple as 
which brand of coffee to something as complex as, you know, what is the healthcare model? What is the wellness model? You know, how do these individuals want to purchase services? What's important to them? Is that something that co-working as an industry should be taking on in a more aggressive way to become a partner? And I mean, you know, that's an amazing question, Asia. And we are already seeing that. There's actually a group out of Vietnam called Dreamplex, and they are integrating upskilling. They are going after these corporate employees and finding out what they need to retain them and then offering those events and offering that upskilling. So, yeah, absolutely. Companies should be looking to co-working spaces as a place where you can send your employee and there will be a whole nother organization invested in that person having a fantastic experience and getting what they need from their workplace. So corporations that put people into co-working spaces will actually end up getting happier, more productive workers that choose to stay longer. So it's a win, win, win. And we did a, um, a research study. It actually was in 2015 with Steve King from Emergent Research, who you know well. And we found that 89% of the people in co-working spaces reported being happier. They were more engaged. They were choosing to network with the people within the space. So if you want to attract and retain great talent, a good way to do that is to give them the option of a co-working space. I definitely think that live work play model that a lot of younger professionals, you know, whether or not they're independent, they may choose to be at some point in their career, they're going to need this model of walking to a coffee shop that's nearby, hanging out in a community space, biking to local activities, and feeling that those activities are all designed to work together versus driving into sort of the basement of a high-rise building you know, an hour away from your home and somehow Mm -hmm. coming out of that as a happier person. Well, the win-win-win was a great place to end what has been a fascinating conversation and one that I know our audience will really appreciate and, and learn from. So thank you for taking the time, Liz, and good luck with your study of the future. Thanks again for all you guys do for the state of independence. It's, it's really phenomenal research and stuff I utilize all the time. So thank you. That was Liz Elam, founder of Juicy and host of the Juicy Coworking Podcast. For more of MBO's insights on the future of work, visit mbopartners.com or find another episode of State of Independence wherever you find your podcast. Thank you so much for listening.